welcome to another episode of the Extras. Lachlan here, back again, joined this week by Peter. Hello. Uh, I'm glad to be back. I am very glad for Josh and Kelly over the last couple of weeks. I think they did a great job, so maybe I don't need to be here and can keep getting them to contribute as well. I think that'll be something to... Uh, yeah, share the joy around in future weeks. Speaking of sharing the joy, Lachlan, you got any kind of update for our faithful listeners? Yeah, sure. I'm not sure who's heard what at this stage, but uh, yes. So Candy has given birth to a wonderful, healthy son named Beaumont. Hooray. Beaumont, you are Grice. Beaumont, you are Grice. Yeah. Uh, not you are like as in, you know, we're declaring that he is Grice, but that's a Chinese name meaning glory to God. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's... Our son, and he's doing well, and uh, I'm back on deck this week, and glad to be back. Well, yeah. thanks and glory to God. Yeah, amen. Uh, Peter, this past Sunday, we've c- continued in Hebrews. We made it to Hebrews 11, a passage that uh, I know I've been familiar with for a long time. It's one of those classics in the New Testament that you can hit on at many points aside from just a study of the book of Hebrews. It's well known as kind of this passage of faith. Mm. If you want to run us briefly through Hebrews 11 and what we saw on the weekend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the uh, author is encouraging us as he has been the whole way through. You've got to persevere. Don't shrink back. Have Mm. faith and be saved. And then we get a big old list of people who did just that to show us what it looks like to encourage us and to spur us on as we do it. But ultimately, the clincher is look to Jesus. Mm. He's the one, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Fix your eyes on him and keep running the race. Yeah, Amen. It's such an encouraging passage. And I think that's why it's been something I've known for so long. It's a passage to come to when the Christian life is going a bit tough. Mm. And that's part of what we thought about on Sunday times when the Christian life can be a bit tough. A uh, few questions came through. So let's help us keep thinking about these truths of God's word. A uh, few questions on faith. It's a passage about faith. Mm. We talked on Sunday about faith being Assurance in what we don't see yet. So kind of a bit of a future focus to faith rather than, I think you contrasted it with a blind faith of faith contrary to the evidence or something like that. Yeah, that's right. So if faith has got this future aspect, then what does that do for the first couple of verses where it talks about faith, having faith that the the universe was formed by God? That happened in the past. Yep, that's a good observation. I would say that the uh, faith is something forward-looking, looking to God's promises. That's the main theme of the chapter. But uh, the questioner rightly points out that, yeah, our writer takes a couple verses to warm up to it. Mm. Um, Now, I think partly that is he's actually keen to cover the whole Old Testament, kind of from go to woe. And in the first couple chapters, say Genesis 1 to 5, there's not really much in the way of future promises to look Mm. forward to. Mm. But our author is convinced that uh, faith is still the way that the righteous lived at that time. So it's, you know, slightly different Mm. emphasis, but the main emphasis is on looking forward to the future. Okay, excellent. Uh, Second question. So faith in Hebrews is Describing faith in action, something that is facing discomfort, trusting God's plans for the future when life is uncomfortable. Um, This person's asked, you know, the book of James also talks about faith Mm. and talks about faith in action as helping the poor. Mm. So is this a different definition of faith? What's going on with these two different books and the way they talk about faith? Yeah, I think um, it's a helpful observation. It helps us to get at something that I think is really useful. Um, Now, when we read in Hebrews chapter 11, now faith is, 
we brace ourselves to get a definition. We think, this is fantastic. I'm about to have faith defined for me. Faith is, all right, let me get my pencil ready. I'll write it down. Um, that's actually not really what Hebrews is trying to do. It's not a definition of mm. faith as such. Often Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, gets talked about as the definition of mm. faith. I really don't think it is. Mm. I think it's a description of faith, a description of one really important bit of faith. But as our questioner points out, there's other descriptions of faith in the Bible. So... Uh, James will point out that faith is something that shows itself in action, and particularly uh, with regards to the needy. Paul will point out that faith has to do with where we're setting our confidence and our, our reliance. And so we have different descriptions of what faith is like in the Bible. These aren't clashing definitions. They're just different descriptions that have different emphases because faith is multifaceted. Mm. Just to add something or to probe there a little bit more, is there, I would take it that there's a future aspect to all of those descriptions. I might be wrong. Um, but in terms of, you know, we've highlighted the future aspect here in Hebrews of you're looking forward to something to come and therefore you'll face the discomfort now. I think similar in James, you're looking ahead to the promises of God and therefore you're willing to act differently now. Uh, Paul's, Kind of language as well it's it's faith in the promises of god for the future and relying solely on those promises rather than other things is that fair helpful not helpful yeah i mean i think in 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 paul's writings perhaps you get faith as quite sort of backward looking right you know it's a kind of looking back sure. to what yeah. jesus has okay. done okay. so you know i think that you know you could make an argument yeah there's a kind of a a um a future-lookingness that ties them all together. Mm. Um, equally, you might say in Paul, the emphasis isn't necessarily there. It's on looking back, looking to what Jesus has done. That's where your confidence is uh, is parked. Yeah, okay. All right, cool. Uh, another question on faith. If living by faith is living uncomfortably, according to Hebrews, um, we've got a John Piper reader here, which is great. Love Piper. Uh, does that kind of undermine or make invalid Piper's idea of Christian hedonism? Well, uh, perhaps not everybody is um, is uh, a big Piper fan here. So John Piper is an American um, pastor and preacher and mm. writer. And this doctrine of Christian uh, hedonism or hedonism is the idea of you know hedonism. We've talked about this in mm. Hebrews, in fact. This is the idea that uh, life is about maximizing pleasure. Mm. Of course, there's a godless um, kind of hedonism all around us. Um, you know, that's the... If you go to Bondi, you'll see what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can probably find it in Carlingford as well. It's just a bit shinier in Bondi. Um, anyway, uh, John Piper has this idea of Christian hedonism, right? Which is about uh, God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in him. Mm. So he encourages the idea of Christians really taking pleasure in God, mm. uh, taking satisfaction in God, and saying, well, this in fact is what brings glory to God. This is what God wants for us mm. to be mm. happy, mm. Uh, not happy because we're at the you know, beach drinking a chia latte, but happy because uh, God is for us. Yeah. Now, uh, I, I, I don't really think there's um. There's, we should say first of all. I mean, what what, what Piper says is um, that's just one particular way of, of framing the Bible's message, and we shouldn't necessarily take it as gospel. It has to be measured by the scriptures mm -hmm. as well. Um, but I think that you know Hebrews and Piper are not necessarily clashing here because Hebrews are not sort of saying, well, you know. Discomfort per se is is godly. It's not praising 
discomfort or saying, well, if you're not uncomfortable, you're not living in faith. Mm. Not saying anything like that. Um, it's talk- Hebrews 2 is talking about finding satisfaction in God rather than in the present mm. shape of the world. So, you know, Abraham is happy to live in a tent, be a bit uncomfortable now, because he's looking forward to the city that has foundations. And I think that maps pretty closely onto the idea of taking satisfaction and pleasure, uh, not in life now, but actually in uh, God the Father. Yeah, I mean, it makes me think of Paul's letter to the Philippians, right? There's a man at a time who's suffering a lot and living very uncomfortably in prison, and yet in that letter, uh, he's just abounding in joy. Mm. And so it's not that discomfort doesn't correlate with joy. You can be uncomfortable and full of joy, living for the glory of God, living by faith. Yeah, and uh, may God teach us how to live like that. Mm. Now, Hebrews 11, pointing to these uh, figures from the past in the Bible, highlights they had great faith in God and his plan. Someone's asked, you know, they feel that the position of these ancients in the Bible is a bit easier. They, you know, heard God audibly speak to them. Uh, For us, our call to have faith, I'll put it in their language, our call to have faith seems quite unfair as God does not physically speak to us, but through his written word. So isn't the writer of Hebrews slightly ignorant here? Mm. Well, thanks for the question. Thanks for putting it in. Um, Good that you're thinking um, hard about this and what it means to have faith. Um, I would sort of say... Just be a little bit careful, first off, um, in terms of this language of being ignorant, the writer of the Hebrews uh, is just a, a guy, of course, but these are the words God has chosen to speak mm. to us. And so uh, we need to be careful, you know, before we say, oh, well, this is um, the ignorant opinion of the past. Actually, if this is how God speaks to us, if we have a problem with it, uh, it's not that God's word has a problem, mm. we have a problem. Mm. So... Uh, if someone's knowledge needs to expand, it's probably not the biblical author. It's actually ours. So that's just a word of caution in terms mm. of how we think and uh, frame our thoughts around responding to mm. the Bible. Now, to the substance of the question, well, Hebrews would say, a little bit rough on the ancients, actually, we're in a far superior position. Mm. Right? They had all kinds of words from God, sure, but we have the word yeah. from God, capital uh, God has spoken by his son. And uh, for Hebrews, as everywhere in the New Testament, the fact that we have that word um, not firsthand, uh, not you know, we're sitting there listening to Jesus, but we have it attested to us by those who heard, you know, as it says in uh, Hebrews chapter 2, uh, verse 3, that it was um, announced by the Lord and confirmed to us by those who heard him. The fact that we have it sort of secondhand like that, by testimony, um, doesn't dilute its trustworthiness at all. These are Jesus' commissioned messengers, Mm. and we can trust what they say. So that's one thing to say. And I guess another thing to say to us is uh, that both for the ancients and for us, the issue is not, did God speak? And they can say, oh, yeah, well, I heard him. So, yeah, he did. Um, the issue isn't, did God speak? It's, will God do what he said he would? So both for them and for us, it's about God having spoken, will he now go on and come good mm. on the things he said he'd do? Mm. Uh, and again, in that sense, we have it better than them because uh, will God come good? Yeah, he has. Jesus. Yeah, that's really helpful. Thanks, Peter.
Um, pressing into one of these characters that we meet in Hebrews 11, so Moses in verse 26 of chapter 11, says that he considered, uh, he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ. Now, that's an interesting mention of Christ there. How did Moses know about Christ, think about Christ? Moses was before Christ. What's going on there? Yeah, it's a great question. Very perceptive as you're reading. And uh, our questioner, well done, has picked out on um, quite a bold phrase that our mm. author uses, you know, disgrace for the sake of Christ. Um, how would Moses have conceptualized Christ? Um, I would say that in terms of the way that this is written, it's obviously written from a Christian perspective, looking backwards, right? And so it's possible that it's claiming that Moses um, was conceptualizing Christ, that mm. Moses was thinking, oh, well, uh, well, I know about Jesus, and so I'm going to choose to do the thing that's in line with Jesus mm. and not the other thing. Now, that's possible, right? I don't think there's the way that's written that's necessarily claiming that. I think as Hebrews uh, looks back, it's very clear to our writer that Christ is what all Old Testament faith was aimed at. Mm. And that wherever you are in the Old Testament, you're dealing uh, with a story uh, which is ultimately leading up to Christ. It's all foreshadowing and pointing to anticipating Christ. And so when Moses acts in accordance with uh, the identity of God's people, with the promises that God has given, he's acting in accordance with what we'll ultimately mm. learn is Christ, even if he doesn't know it yet. So I think it's not necessarily, we don't necessarily need to say, oh, it's possible that Moses had Jesus in his mind mm. at that time. Mm. Uh, what Moses had in his mind was ultimately revealed in the fullness of time to be Christ. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Uh, this next question, Peter, picks up on something that you were talking about on Sunday, different sides. They're wondering what sides you were referring to. Yeah. Okay. Well, we talked about taking sides uh, on Sunday, you know, again, referring to Moses, that Moses had to choose um, mm. between suffering with the people of God and what Hebrews describes as the fleeting pleasures of sin, which I take it as his kind of his Egyptian lifestyle. Mm. Mm. So those were the signs um, that I was referring to. Um, I also, I talked about the fact that there are different sides in our culture and uh, didn't sort of name, describe, but didn't name them. That's maybe what the question is yeah. referring to. So if that's what you're asking. Um, I was talking about the different sides in the culture war often called the culture wars um i thought about it i don't reckon that they really have names per se uh yeah. stable names we might i mean sort of something like progressives and conservatives mm. is probably the closest um you know i think they're not those are not very good names for them yeah. um regardless of whatever you want to call them yeah i talk about the, the science pick an issue like should um should transgender people be allowed to play sport mm. okay the for and the against Think of the kinds of people who are for and against. That's the sides that we're talking about mm. here. Um, but the point overall that I was saying is taking sides doesn't mean taking one of those sides. It means refusing both to take Jesus' side. Mm. Mm. Takes me back to a time at college where we were talking about issues where you might have polar opposite ideas and the temptation Christians sometimes have to find the middle way mm. in between the two. And the mm -hmm. lecturer is very helpful in going, no, no, that's not what we're after. We're after... The Christian way, the Jesus way, which might not be the middle and might not be the side, might be something totally different. Yeah, that's, that's a, a very helpful, helpful point. Absolutely, yeah. 
All right, one more question on kind of the uh, interpretation of the passage in Hebrews. On verse 39 of chapter 11, it talks about these heroes of the Old Testament not receiving what was promised, but being approved through their faith. So if they didn't receive what was promised, what, what did they receive? Do they not receive forgiveness on earth? Mm. I think we want to say ultimately... Uh, it talks in the next verse about them being uh, only together with us would they be made perfect. And we know that perfect in Hebrews is about kind of um, coming to completion, coming to the goal uh, that God has uh, is calling us towards. Uh, I think ultimately, what do they receive? They ultimately receive everything that Christians are waiting for. Mm. So whatever is the Christian hope, um, Hebrews talks about in lots of ways, rest, uh, a city, a kingdom that cannot be shaken, all of these good things. Ultimately, that's what they receive because yeah. they're waiting for, they didn't know it, but ultimately, Christ. And that's mm. what he gives. Mm. So whatever we get, they get too. Uh, did they get it on earth? No. Because yeah. they were waiting for the time when Christ would be revealed, waiting for us to join mm. with them in being perfected together uh, when we all enjoy the fullness of what Christ gives in the new kingdom. Yeah, which is wonderful. We will get to meet all these guys one day. And hear about their stories a bit more and magnify Jesus together with them. Mm. Uh, that's a glorious future in store. Yeah. Perhaps it's worth saying that we get a foretaste of this glorious future in a way that they yeah. didn't. So yep. the Christian experience of, say, prayer is, is quite different because mm. we have God's Spirit within us and we call on God, Abba, Father. Um, we call on God having had the mystery of his will mm. revealed to us. So we're not sort of scratching our heads. I wonder how God will make his promises mm. come true. Mm. Um, we actually know that the shape of that is Jesus. Um, so uh, we have a foretaste of what we'll enjoy in fullness together with those saints mm. um, that they never had during their time on earth. So we are you know, so blessed yeah. uh, to be believers in Jesus, to belong to the Lord at this time in yeah. his salvation plan. Yeah, great. Well, hopefully that has helped to clarify lots of the stuff that Hebrews 11 was talking about. There are a couple of questions of implication to end on. So this is a long question, but I'll read it in full. I think it's helpful just to hear the language that's there. Uh, what's the balance between encouraging those in their struggles to persevere while also pointing forward to heaven without making them feel like their situation isn't potentially debilitating to their faith here and now on earth? For example, telling someone with severe depression to just keep going, look forward to heaven when we won't be depressed anymore. You know, they're struggling in their own faith right now and they find that kind of statement unhelpful and actually discouraging, feeling like it invalidates how they're feeling. Yeah, well, I want to say thank you for the question and it's it's uh, it's good to bear in mind that um, you know people can experience dreadful things mm. uh, and that can actually make the experience of living in faith very difficult to do um, now on the example that this person has raised about um, clinging to faith through severe depression and what is helpful and what's unhelpful um, it just so happens that we had uh, in morning church this week uh, a wonderful sister joe um, share after the sermon about her experience with mm. exactly this, mm. with actually kind of a dreadful and long-lasting depression as a Christian person. And she shared a little bit, uh, very kindly, very bravely, very um, you know, encouragingly mm. in a powerful way. 
about what it had meant to cling to God through that, and particularly uh, what help from Christian friends uh, had looked like, how people had genuinely be helpful. So I can't say it any better than her. You really have to go and look at it. Fortunately, it's on the live stream. Yeah, Just excellent. go to YouTube. Um, there's the sermon, then there's a song, then there's an interview mm. with Joe. Um, do watch that. I will um, say, uh, finish with some advice um, that she had found helpful and that those around her had found helpful. It was from a Christian writer. She kind of paraphrased it. Um, it was. She said, I don't just... Um, don't just tell your suffering friend, trust God. Give them a reason to trust God. Tell them the good news about how good mm. and faithful God is. Uh, and don't finish that with saying, so come on, buck up and trust him. Uh, finish by saying, so he's on your side and he'll mm. carry you through this no matter how mm. bad it gets. Um, such a wonderful testimony. Let me encourage everyone who's listening, jump on YouTube and, uh, and watch that for yourself. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks, Joe, for sharing that. It's been really helpful. One last question, Peter. Romans 5 verse 3 says that suffering produces perseverance. What if I'm tired of suffering? What if it doesn't produce perseverance and it just wrecks me? Yeah, well, I mean, again, thank you for the question. Um, I, I, I don't think saying that suffering produces perseverance here um, is that it breeds uh, a kind of masochism. Like mm. you suffer a bit and you're like, yeah, this isn't so bad. Give me more, give mm. me more. That's mm. That's not... The idea and and uh, Hebrews you know makes the point nobody enjoys um, uh, discipline when it's happening. All discipline at the time seems painful rather than pleasant. So Hebrews makes that point. Um, so the Christian response to suffering is not yeah I want this to keep going. Uh, it's saying uh, God for as long as this keeps going uh, I will continue to trust you. Give me your grace to enable mm. me to do that. That's the mm. Christian picture of perseverance in suffering. Mm. Look, in light of all of this that we've talked about, I feel like I just want to end our discussion by reading verse 1 and 2 of Hebrews 12 mm. and where this whole passage lands. It says, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let's lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let's run with endurance the race that lies before us keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wonderful that we have all these witnesses of the Old Testament and their faith, and wonderful that we have Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who endured such suffering for us, uh, and who can be such an encouragement alongside us in whatever suffering uh, he takes us through. Peter, to that. I'm so thankful, Peter, for all the work you've been doing in Hebrews. Uh, we've got, I think, one more Sunday to go this week, and then Easter comes. Where are we coming to in Hebrews this Sunday? This week, we're in chapter 12, so we're not quite going to finish with the book of Hebrews. There's one more to go post-Easter, uh, so okay. stay tuned great, for that. Great. Uh, yeah, we're kind of coming to a climactic passage uh, where it talks about where Christians are and this not at Mount Sinai shaking hearing the voice of God trembling and being afraid but somewhere very different where things feel and look very different. Wonderful look forward to it we'll see you there this weekend. Okay bye everybody. Bye.